Welcome to our next episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the Five Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology and offer proven ways to put the five moments of need into practice. Friends, welcome back to yet another Performance Matters podcast, and it is an interesting time in our industry. I'm blessed and excited to be joined by my partner, Dr. Khan Gaffertson. Welcome, Khan. Good to have you back again. It's great to be back, Bob. And we felt compelled to do this podcast. With all that we're seeing, Khan and I over the last several weeks have talked with many of you, thousands of you across the globe as we're struggling with this pandemic. We're struggling with how it's affecting our families, our lives, our businesses, our world, and clearly the world of learning. And so we thought we'd take some time to put some thoughts together here if they're helpful around some things we've seen, the power of workflow learning and things and how we think it might help address not just the threat we feel and the and the fear we may feel, but also the opportunity and the uh, chance for some remarkable change. Let me start with a quick story, uh, ray of hope <laughs> in the middle of all the darkness. I have a two-year-old granddaughter named Mora, and the other day my daughter sent me a video of her in their living room. She attends what's called Kinder Music here in the States. It's a preschool program for little kids, preschool age, two-year-old and older, to just get together, sing some songs. It's some beginning of of their instruction, and she just loves it. She loves her friends. She loves her teacher, and clearly in these times, that stopped. She was not able to join. They couldn't gather in the traditional sense. So my daughter sends me this brilliant video of her on the floor staring at a laptop And on the screen are five or six of her other friends, two years old or older, sucking their thumbs, (laughs) playing with their toys. And in the top left corner is this remarkable teacher, their kinder music teacher. And they begin to sing a song, which is the nature of that program that I've seen her participate in personally. And you had to see her face. You had to see the face and the sounds and the voices of every child in that class. They sang at the top of their lungs, they clapped their hands, they squealed, they giggled. And at the end of the song, they did this remarkable clap that they apparently do. And then they all stared at the screen with these remarkable smiles, clapped and jumped up and down as they do and when they met personally. And guys, I think there's a a message in that for us in L&D. It was a Yeah, things are different. Things will probably always be different. But at the same time, there is remarkable thinking. There's remarkable opportunities being tried across our world by gifted teachers like her teacher and by many of you on this call as our colleagues in L&D. So we thought today we would build off of that remarkable and heartening story and sort of talk a little bit about opportunities we see for us. Con, what's your uh, take on the state of learners and learning today? Well, you know, my experience, I'm a bit older, but uh, my <laughs> experience is behind every dark cloud, there is a silver lining. And in 2008, when the financial tsunami struck planet Earth, I read an article from Dennis Palm Bryant. And in that article, he said, 
something profound that is helpful today. He said, disruption makes things new again. And what might not have been possible suddenly is. And that's what you're talking about. And that's what we're seeing. That's the silver lining. We're going to fall back into a new normal. But that new normal has all the potential of helping us be better and more impactful at what we do. What we have to do in all circumstances, especially like those that we're in today, is to look through it and say, so how do we now not only respond to the immediate challenge, but respond in such a way that life becomes better as a result? That thinking is where we will get to where we need to be and be able to make things much better. Things that might not have been possible suddenly become possible. You know what's exciting, Khan, is that with learners being sent home, performers being sent home, taken out of their normal workflow, removed from their support systems, be them technical or personal, not having meetings, not being face-to-face, not yelling over a cubicle, all these innate support systems and ways in which performers get through the day are gone. And with technologies like Zoom and GoToMeeting and Adobe Connect and WebEx, the list goes on and on, as part of the solution, as part of the new ecosystem, we are seeing a more and different enabled worker. They're having to survive. Survival makes for some interesting behaviors. And so they're doing remarkable things while caring for their kids, while trying to have meetings, while trying to lift their company and meet with coworkers and so on. And so we really are at a new normal with them. They're going to emerge from this with a new mindset. They're going to emerge stronger, I think. They're going to emerge more independent, feeling more enabled because they survived this and work got done and they found their way. Our opportunity is to make that finding their way, which is what we always have done in, yep. in our work, different. We, we've been pivoting on this different saying around that our job today and maybe always and probably has been is to really enable workers to perform at the speed of change. That's been at the cusp of our five moments since we thought it out. But but when things were the old normal, I think we took some things for granted and it was hard to really pivot on that as a reality, even though I think for our learners, it's always been. Yeah, but now it's about survival, isn't it? So we have to face this need that every organization has, and that is to have a workforce that can pivot, a workforce that can perform ahead of change, at the speed of change. And what the good news is that the only part of the organization that can truly enable that capacity is L&D. It's us, our profession. We are the key, the foundational key to ensuring that organizations can adapt and respond to the adaptive challenges that come at them immediately like this, like what we're experiencing now. This threat and plague abates, it doesn't mean that we won't be challenged with change again. And so this is a time to learn and position and solve things, solve real challenges today, make a difference, but to do so in such a way that we're prepared in our organizations moving forward. 
So, friend, I think it's a mind shift change. I mean, yeah. we and, and we're being forced with it and, and we're seeing some interesting things in what we're watching in the industry. Obviously, everything was go virtual, go digital. I, if I heard those words uttered once, I heard them uttered a thousand times in the last 14 to 21 days. L&D, go virtual, go digital. And understandably, our reaction was first a technology one. We had to have the infrastructure in place. Many organizations didn't to translate into what it really needed to be. LMSs, maybe. That's a digital form. E-learning, a digital form. But we, were, I think we all felt when we were called to that challenge that that wasn't really going to be enough. So technologies like, again, Zoom, WebEx and other things emerged, and we had to get that infrastructure in place. The interesting thing, though, is now we're in many cases past the bubble. And our initial mind shift was, well, let's get classes there. Let's get courses there. Let's get our content there. I keep pivoting on the word there because in the end, what does that mean? And what we're experiencing and hearing from many of you and from learners we've talked to is that they're kind of reaching the online fatigue factor. Yeah. Porting over the older mindset of class to virtual, for instance, is one of many things that has to change. That's the old mindset. We have to look at and adapt new methodologies with these technologies as well to make them work. Yeah, and, and we need to take a hard look at the great work that has been going on by many organizations in an effort to move beyond the traditional paradigms of learning and extending our reach and influence and capacity to influence performance in the flow of work. Because it's only in the flow of work where the capacity to perform at the speed of change is enabled. And so all the good work that we've been doing in the world of 70-2010, the five moments, other efforts, workflow learning, all that's been going on and we've been talking about, now we need to take a hard look at it through the lens that we have today by this experience and say, how do we move beyond this triage work that we've been doing, moving everything to digital, and instead systematically now, in an efficient and as rapid way as possible, start to bring real meat and strength and power to what we're doing. And as you said, Bob, it does begin with a shift of mindset. We have to be looking into the workflow. Our mindset has to be about performance, we need to step away from learning to truly having a performance mindset that is looking into the workflow to be able to meet this challenge. Okay, friends. So let me go deeper on a couple of principles and you and I react. Workflow analysis. How is workflow analysis more critical today than ever? First, let's define it. It's not task analysis in the traditional sense. It's not coming up with an outline for content. It is a step way before those things. It's us as an industry truly understanding through a systematic approach, what are the processes, tasks, steps, and supporting knowledge that an organization does to perform the work every day. We've been talking about this for years. How is it yeah. so essential and maybe even different and so needed today in your opinion, Khan? How can an organization manage performance, adapt, adjust performance if they're blind to it? We may see performance at a high level, but we have to see performance 
at a tactical level in order to address it, in order to bring efficiencies, in order to support it. Change happens in the flow of work. It's executed in the flow of work. So you have to see that flow and know where change hits, what parts, what aspects of performance in our workflows do we need to shift and change? And it all starts with making performance visible in the hundreds and hundreds of organizations that we walk into. There is a level of blindness today regarding the tactical performance of their people. And workflow analysis is all about making that visible so that you can then build and support and act around that as you optimize and change and adapt and adjust. You know, and workflow analysis as a service that we can provide is so critical today more than ever because the workflow we knew is gone. I was talking to an individual the other day, Con, and he said, here's an example, Bob, of how upside down my world is. When we walked into the office every day, I spent every day from eight to nine, we had a team meeting. Well, guess what? Half of us from eight to nine are homeschooling our kids. So when we all went home and tried to engage our quote unquote day, our workflow, operationally, our workflow was completely different, let alone the responsibilities of our team dynamic. Because you said that's the second thing that we arrived at was that our team dynamic, because we didn't see each other in the same environment, we didn't walk into the same roles we did before, although we had the same titles, was completely upside down. So we needed someone to step us back and walk us through what was the new workflow, the dependencies, the information, the tasks that were shared, performed, and understood by our team, because that whole world, although probably 70% of it was still true, if you mix up 30% of anything, that's a sizable shift. And L&D could step up in workflow analysis and help organizations understand what the new world is like. Some of this may be adjusting what people need to do. I mean, when you map the workflow, it begins with what do people need to do to do the work of the organization? And certainly those things can shift. But what shifts mainly is not what we need to do, but how we go about doing it, Mm -hmm. the order and the ways in which we do that. And so the only way you can get there is if you have mapped what it is that people need to do in such a way that you can then say, okay, this is how we've been doing it. This is now the new way, the new environment. So how do we do this in this new environment? And are there new tasks or there are tasks that need to adjust? But certainly the process flow, the nature of the process flow has to adapt to an environment like we are meeting today. You know, and that'll expose where we can step in. Yeah. Where where are things not being done well? Where are the new things not being communicated? What resources, what support, what assets, learning, support, and otherwise do we need to help us get through this new normal? And so first and foremost, through an understanding of that workflow um, in a systematic way, we can then look at it instructionally into how we address it with everything from moments one stuff, i.e. traditional training, whatever that is nowadays, but more importantly, through to what we can embed, harvest, and activate when learners are in the workflow. So, Connie, yeah. let, me, let me talk. ask you a second one. Critical okay. skills analysis. Ah, How is critical skills analysis today as a principle of the five moments so important? It is absolutely crucial, Bob, because in a world of triage, you need to know what do you go and focus on 
versus what can you step back from and not worry so much about? Critical impact of failure is all about assessing the degree and the impact of failure to perform effectively as a specific job task, all tied up into a specific process. And so when you have identified the workflow and the tasks and the performances, what it is that people do, and then you have identified those things that they do where the impact of failure is significant to catastrophic, then you know what to focus on. We can't drop the ball here. These other areas, if people make a mistake, we can recover from that, but we can't recover as readily from these. And so when you don't have enough time to do everything, then you need to focus on those places where the greatest risk lies. And that is determined really by the critical impact of failure. And at the task level, this is not about an outline for leadership. This isn't about a course on sales. This isn't about rolling out a new CRM. This is about tactically understanding what the workers in the workflow are facing every day, what they're getting done, what they're not getting done, what they're doing poorly or wrong, what they don't understand or have been caught up on because things have changed. We have to understand the five moments context, but in the context of criticality so that we can, to your point, triage and build support first and instructional assets second that help people get through the day with what is most important to them and that they need the most support on because the outcome of failure is too dangerous to either them, the organization, customers, or otherwise. Yeah, I understand why organizations didn't respond to Gloria Geary in the 90s when she talked about the crying need for embedded performance support, a a digital coach, if you will, to enable our ability to manage and, and work in the workflow with learning and performance development. But today, there's no excuse to ignore that. We can't afford to. Let's end with this. The third principle, how is an EPSS critical today? Well, the EPSS is the only way that we can extend our capacity to support people in the flow of work and have visibility to that performance. That's the power of what Gloria envisioned is that that digital coach is there guiding and helping people perform the job tasks with support based upon those critical impact of failure ratings. And so we know, we can see, and if we need to navigate change, if we need to, we can see areas where things may be falling apart, we can understand and view and watch what is going on in the flow of work, no matter where people are. It's not about everybody being in the same room. We are virtually able to see where everyone is and what they're doing and how they're doing through the usage patterns and our capacity to monitor the work of the organization through that EPSS. It's the technology that enables our bringing about and ensuring that people perform effectively, as Gary noted, in their workflow with a minimum of support from other people. That's what she envisioned in the 90s, and that's what we really need to have today. Well, Con, I'm going to be so bold as to say this. I think an L&D professional without an EPSS is not doing what we need to do. I look across the arsenal of tools we have, LXPs, LMS, virtual instruction, adaptive learning, 
I mean, I can go on and on. You got it, it, all the digital tools we have at our disposal with the world as it is today and the way learners are having to perform in unbelievable circumstances and need support in ways we've never done and been able to do for them for, before. If we do not have an EPSS in our toolkit, we're being irresponsible, to be honest, not maliciously per se, but we can't ignore that technology any longer. It will win the day. It is the thing that is, in my opinion, the game changer from a tool set perspective. <laughs> Workflow learning in the five moments is the methodology, but the tool, the brush to the canvas is to have an EPSS. And if we don't adopt and adapt them soon, we're letting our learners slip further and further into these areas without the support that they deserve. Yeah. And where we are today, we know how to build them. We know we, there is methodology in place to help us do that. And there are technologies in place at multiple levels of complexity and capacity. So it is a place where we can go now and what we can act upon now. And Absolutely. we need to do it. And we've seen it done. Before this yep. ever hit, we've seen hundreds of organizations literally across the globe adopt EPSS, adopt five moments, adopt workflow learning as their methodology, and do the things we just described. We're supporting their learners the way we, that they need to be today, not at the, at the expense of, an, of a pandemic, but because that we could. So this is not so new that we don't have anything to fall back on. We have no experience with which to do this. It's a brave new world. This is not. This is in the here and now. It's been here for a while. We just need to look more intentionally at it and kind of go at it from there. So, friend, why don't you finish Dennis's quote? What does he do after the uh, suddenly is part? <laughs> well, he wrote, change is difficult. And isn't it, though? And people avoid it when they can. But change eventually happens when the consequences of standing still look worse than the consequences of taking a chance on change. He says it's time for all of us to change. And then he ended with standing still is not an option. In 2008, that rang to me today even more so. Standing still isn't an option. We need to take that chance on change. Friends, we see great hope in the darkness. We can do this. And what excites me, Khan, is it's not like we have to go back to square one. It's not like we have to put ourselves out and risk ourselves and our learners. This is doable today. These methodologies, these technologies, this approach has been done, has been tried for years. We just have not had to or been forced to or maybe allowed to turn to this in the way the world demands of us today. Friends, standing still is not an option. We are here with you. We stand with you. We are excited about this conversation. Let's lift this flag and wave it and emerge as an industry, but more importantly, as a society, as our organizations we support, as learners, better for it in the end. Khan, thank you so much for your insights and for joining us again today. We look forward to next steps. Thank you, and take care, everyone. Be well, be safe, friends. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH, as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.the5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.